the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we break something, we can say, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? But don't you think we also need to help replace what was broken? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Yes, man has been on a wild goose chase ever since he was first created, looking for a way to live forever. Some have said, there's a fountain of youth, and if you just drink of that fountain, you'll live forever. And other people say that the Garden of Eden still exists today, and guess what? It does. People say, well, where is it? Well, I'll tell you where it is. You'll never find it, and you can't enter in. Because if you remember back in Genesis 3.24, it says, After banishing Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, the Lord God stationed mighty angelic beings to the east of Eden and a flaming sword flashing back and forth, guarding the way of the tree of life. So if someone was to stumble onto the Garden of Eden and say, oh, look, it's right here. Here's the doorway. You can't get in. The angels will not let you in. Yes, man will search long and hard for a way to overcome death, to live forever outside of God's way. But the Bible is very clear when it says every single man and woman will die one day. No one escapes death. Don't we have life to prove that? Hasn't life proven that? One out of every one person dies. And it says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for each man and woman to die once, and after this comes judgment. Some want to bypass this, and they want to do whatever they can. So now we have, in a 21st century here, we have cryonautic preservation. That's where people can pay a huge amount of money and you buy your own little cylinder and they take your body and they freeze it at minus 329 degrees in the hopes of you're so frozen that when they defrost you 100 years from now, that somehow in the future, medicine and science will put you back together to bring all of this back and you can come back to life again. Now, Dennis Kowalski, president of the Cryonics Institute, says, well, it's impossible for that to happen right now. So here's the guy that's promoting all this. But hopefully in the future, we can figure all these things out. He goes, there's three main things that we have to get over for this to work for you. Okay, number one, they have to be able to repair all the damage done to the tissue in your body from being frozen. That's number one. Okay, Uh, number two. They have to cure whatever element K2 
killed you in the first place. So you died for some reason. So they have to find the, the cure for that. And number three, they have to reverse the aging process that took your life in the first place. Oh, yeah, that's, that's easy to figure all that stuff out. I'm sure as soon as we get the cure for COVID and, oh, let's not forget the cure for the common cold. I'm sure we can figure these other issues out. You know, uh, not. It's ridiculous. Yes, it's appointed for every man and woman to die once. Then we will stand before God on the day of judgment. Yet Jesus made a way for us. There's a way for us to overcome death. He said in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even if he dies, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die, Jesus said. And then he asked the question, do you believe this? I believe this. That's why we're going to live. See, you never actually die. When this body dies, like you're like, uh, uh, I'm, go- I'm going home. It's, uh, it's like, boom, instantly, picosecond, boom, your spirit's gone. This body croaks, you as a believer will never, ever croak. And when we enter heaven, we're now able to eat all we want. 12 kinds of fruit every month. No one's watching their waist. No more diets. Eat away. The marriage supper of the Lamb just pounded down. Let's go. Yes. And notice the leaves bring healing, it says. The Greek word for healing there is where we get our English word therapeutic. And that means that these trees will be therapeutic to our heavenly lives as we eat of them. Yes, our heavenly lives will be enriched by them. We will be full. We will be satisfied. I don't know about you, but I am so looking forward to that day. Verse 3 of Revelation 22. Amen. (laughs) Revelation 22.3 says, There will no longer be any curse... There's no longer any separation between us and God. No more isolation. No more emotional breakdowns. No more heartaches. And no more pain. Verse 4 says, we will see God. Just stop for a moment. Can you even grasp that? Can you drink that even into your soul? You and I will see God, the creator of the universe and all that's in it, a hundred billion galaxies and a hundred billion stars in each one, the one that put the ring around Saturn. It's like, oh my goodness, we will see God. Wow. It's like, I'm not sure it's even possible that we could even somewhat comprehend that. Verse five says, There is no more sun, no more light bulbs, no electricity, no rolling blackouts, no substations, no kind of worrying about renewable energy and solar panels, because God himself shall illuminate everything. The word illuminate there in the original language means its rays will shine and enlighten. Yes, the glory of God will shine and enlighten us every single day from that point to infinity, since our lives will never end forever. That's a long time. Well, getting back to Joseph here in chapter 50 of Genesis, his dad just went on to that next life. 
But in verse 1, he collapses onto his father. Let's not forget, Joseph was his favorite son. He loved his father, and he missed being with him and next to his father for half of his life because of his wicked brothers that sold him into slavery. Yet he was able to move him to Egypt and spend his last 17 years with him. But even though we as believers know that we will go to heaven one day, even though we know that we will see our believing family members and friends once again, and that's a great joy, and we have to hang on to that promise, it's still a heartbreaking moment when a loved one, even though they know the Lord, passes away. We still miss them. We miss their presence. We miss their life. We miss their love. We miss their personality. Yes, like Joseph, we too can weep many tears at the loss of a loved one. But our sadness should always be balanced with that great hope that if they are a believer, we will see them again. And if they're not a believer, our loved one, we need to preach the gospel to them. Even if they reject you, you preach it again. They reject you again, you preach it again because that moment when they're bailing out and they know they're dying, they might just call out to your God. They might just cry out to him. It's like there was a good friend of mine. He works at KKLA. He's a dear friend. He asked me to come to the hospital and talk to his dad. His dad was an ex-Marine. And he says, you know, he's a, he's a really brutal man. He's really, you know, he doesn't want to hear anything about God. I said, well, I'll go over there with you. So we went over to the hospital and he was in bed and he had so many drugs going in him. He was just kind of delirious. He was fully out of it. So I leaned over and I started talking to his mom. His mom was sitting right there, and I preached the gospel to her, and his mom gave her life to Christ right there in the hospital room. And I'm like, oh, well, praise Jesus. Then about a month later, they had, you know, taken his dad, and they sent him home for hospice and said, there's nothing more we can do for him. He's just going to be at home. So I was in the KKLA one day, and he says, hey, can you run over to uh, my parents' house, my dad's, he's in hospice there at the house. And I said, yeah, let's go. So we went over there. His dad was completely alert and completely awake in the whole deal. And I had my friend, his sister, and there was the mom that gave her life to Christ earlier. And here was his dad. And I talked to him and, you know, here's this ex-Marine. And he's kind of the man's man and all of that. And I said, you know, sir, you've led a really good life in a sense of you've provided for your family. You have wonderful children. You've got a beautiful wife. You have a beautiful home here in Burbank. I said, but you're going to die. You're going to die. It could happen today. It could happen next week. You're going to die. I go, you need to give your life to Jesus Christ He stands at the door of your heart and he's seeking you now. And you have the opportunity right now before you die to give your life to Christ. And he bowed his head and he prayed and he asked Christ to come in his life. You could be the only voice of reason to how many that live in LA. Because nobody knows when we're going to go. Nobody knows. We have all these shootings now. Shootings, killings are up. Homicides are up like just hundreds of percent up. And it's like, do you think any of the people that died last night in Chicago, in Minnesota, Minneapolis, you know, in, in Portland, you know, the, in Los Angeles here, do you think the people that died last night, do you think they woke up yesterday morning? You think they thought, oh, it's going to be my last day. That's it. I'm going to get shot. It's going to be a stray bullet that hits me. 
Do you think anyone was thinking that? No. No one was thinking that. You don't know when someone's going to go. That's why we have to take advantage of every moment that we can with these people. Yes, like Joseph here, uh, we too weep when we lose someone. But we have that hope. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Colossians 1.5. There is a hope laid up for us in heaven. There is hope for us in heaven. 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 2 of Genesis 50 said that Joseph had his father embalmed. This elaborate process mummifies the body and allows it to be preserved almost indefinitely. The Egyptians are the ones that, that invented embalming. And here it is happening right here in the Bible. As we have seen in our modern day, we have dug up mummies from Egypt that are thousands of years old. And guess what? They're still somewhat recognizable. They're a little scary looking, but that they're still somewhat recognizable. Listen, if a regular person just dies and you put them in a coffin and what have you, I mean, you dig them up later, they completely decompose. There's just bones left. But these mummies, they figured out how to preserve these bodies. And it obviously worked. So he is embalmed here. This process took 40 days. And then in that process, they take out the vital organs. They drain the blood. uh, They drain out the body. They dry it out. They put another type of fluid inside the body. They wrap it up. Many in Egypt were mourning for Jacob. You know, he lived there for 17 years. He was considered a great man of God. Then Joseph seeks out Pharaoh for his permission to bury his father in the land of Canaan, back in Israel, and the place that Jacob asked, Joseph. And he made him promise, do not bury me here in Egypt with these pagans. Take me back to the promised land of my grandfather, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want to be buried in the land of promise. Remember, all these people came to Joseph's side at the loss of his father. All these dignitaries, the entire country was mourning for this father. Remember, Joseph was honored in that country because he spared them of this famine that lasted seven years. And now his family is part of the major food chain here in Egypt because they were all shepherds. And so now we have what? Verse 7 says, we have the elders of the land of Egypt went, along with all of Joseph's family and many others in verse 9, chariots and horsemen, you know, and this would include, you know, those that are going to serve food for this long journey back. And of course, a full military escort. Let's not forget, Egypt was a world governing empire to keep them safe, since there were so many dignitaries that were coming along also. So they were all mourning this life that has been lost here. Now that dad's gone, what's going to happen to us? Picking up in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us since we sold him as a slave and he wants to pay us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? Verse 16, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died saying, 
Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did wrong. They did you wrong, Joseph. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came. They fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me. Oh, for sure. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Amen. Amen. This is the beauty of going through the scripture verse by verse because it always has something to do with us. Again, the Bible is not what you always want to hear, but it's always what you need to hear. Sometimes it stings a little bit. Sometimes it stings a lot, but it's always for the good reason. Joseph kept his promise to his dad. He took him back to the land of Canaan, to Israel. But as soon as that funeral was over, all the brothers said, Oh man, we're in deep trouble now. Now that our father has died, he was kind of the buffer zone for us with Joseph here. What's going to keep Joseph from killing us for all that we did to him? You know, we sold him. We we turned our back as he was that 17-year-old boy crying, No, brothers, don't do this to me. And we just cursed at him and turned our back on him. They sold him as a slave which led to 13 years of total misery in prison, being falsely accused, thrown into the jail cell, left and forgotten by all. Family members have forsaken him. Friends have forsaken him. Everyone except for the living God. For God tells us that he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. I wonder how many of you feel like you've been forsaken. How many people do you know that feel like, man, there's nobody that's looking out for me. But yet God is. Notice how they send a message to him in verse 16. Who brought that message? Maybe it was Benjamin. Because Benjamin's the only brother that wasn't part of selling uh, Joseph to the slave traders. Benjamin, Benjamin, you remember, was the son, the only other son from Rachel... It was Joseph's true little brother, and he had nothing to do with that selling of Joseph. And, of course, he was a favorite brother for Joseph and from his own mother. This is the first time, though, that we have recorded that the older brothers are confessing their sin to Joseph. That's not been recorded before this. See, they've talked to their, uh, amongst themselves like, oh, my goodness, look what we did to him. Uh, They talked about it to their father, Jacob, when they had to go back and say, "Uh, hey, we got some news for you. Remember how we told you Joseph was eaten by a wild animal? Actually, he wasn't. We sold him as a slave in Egypt, and now he's the second most powerful man there. So they had to confess it to their father, but they never have confessed it to Joseph about their sin. In verse 17, they said, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. That sounds spiritual. Uh, Forgive the servants of the God of your father. But maybe they were serious. And I think he took it as they were serious. They're confessing their sin. 
And notice Joseph's response. He just stopped and he wept. For years, it was probably the white elephant in the room, don't you think? I mean, it's like no one wanted to talk about it. It's like, well, how they dogged their little brother. Every birthday party, you know, every family gathering, special occasion, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Let's not talk about it. Let's think happy thoughts. (laughs) Yet Joseph just wept. Their genuineness and their true repentance touched him deeply. Then, as even more proof of their repentance, they said in verse 18, Behold, we are your servants. It's like they were saying, we sold you as a slave. Now you can have us as your own slaves. He didn't want that, of course. But know this, there is an important component to forgiveness because I wonder if there's anyone here that needs to seek someone's forgiveness. You've wronged someone. But don't forget this important component to forgiveness. It's restoration. If we break something, we can say, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? But don't you think we also need to help replace what was broken? Now, if that person says, hey, it's all right, don't worry about it, then that's fine. But shouldn't we at least try and repair? It's trying to make restitution. If we steal something, we can say, hey, I'm sorry for stealing your car. But shouldn't you give the car back? You know, just saying. If our mistake costs somebody, we made a mistake, bad judgment, let someone down the wrong road, shouldn't we somehow try to help recoup and bearing some of the cost of that mistake? Shouldn't we go back? I remember my one daughter, she was only like five or six, and I spanked her. And she deserved the spanking. Absolutely, 100%. But I was mad at her, and I spanked her out of anger. See, whenever we discipline a child, the discipline is for what they did, but it's not like against them. But I was angry, and I spanked her out of being angered in my heart. So I went to her, and I apologized to her. And I said, you know, I'm really sorry. Daddy's sorry. She goes, why? I go, I spanked you out of anger. She said, but Dad, I deserved the spanking. I'm like, yes, you did. (laughs) Absolutely. But my heart wasn't right in spanking you. So she's only like five or six. So I'm trying to compute what what I'm saying here to her. And I said, whenever I spank you, it's only because of what you did. But I'm just, I'm sorry I spanked you with the wrong heart. And so, you know, when we ask forgiveness, there should be some kind of restitution. I wonder if you have anyone that you've wronged in some way. Someone that you need to seek their forgiveness today. You need to make a phone call, a text message. You need to say you're sorry with no excuses. Don't you hate the sorries with excuses? And I've done it multiple times myself. You know, I'm so sorry that I said what I said to you. But if you weren't such a jerk, I wouldn't have said it. Okay, there you go. Okay, so much for that, you know. So what you're saying is it's really my fault, you know. And and I've, I've done that multiple times, trust me. Some restitution needs to be made. Well, Joseph, he forgives his brothers. He said in verse 19, do not be afraid. What an encouraging thing for him to say. Because when we're guilty, are we not afraid? Are our hearts, are they not filled with condemnation? Yet God tells us, do not be afraid. He says, when you come to my throne of grace, 
You can come boldly to my throne of grace. You don't have to come slithering in on your belly. Oh, God, I did it again. I'm such a scumbag. You know, he says, no, you come boldly to the throne of grace and you'll find mercy and help in a time of need. Amen to that. There is no fear in Christ. Then Joseph reminds them of the bigger picture. Notice what he said in verse 20. You meant it for evil. Why? Because you're a bunch of dirty rats. He doesn't let them like slide out. It's like, you did what you did from an evil heart. You are a bunch of dirty rats. So he told them that in verse 20. He says, you did this to me out of hate. But God meant it for good. What? Why? To bring about this present result. What was the present result? To preserve an entire nation, a nation of Egypt, and to preserve through this seven-year famine the nation of Israel. See, God at times allows severe hardship for something that might take place years down the road. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 347 Eight nine Los Angeles, California nine zero zero three four. Three Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.